Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to the MMA Sucker Podcast. I am Tim Wheaton, joined as always by Fraser Crone. But Fraser Crone, we got a guest today, right? We have indeed. There is his future bantamweight champion, Melissa Dixon. Melissa, how's things? Thank you very much for asking. Oh, um, you were so you're, you're shy on air now. You were so talkative <laughs> before. <laughs> I, I I never know what to say to direct questions. Like when someone asks me, "Are you okay?" I didn't, my normal answer is, "Yeah, I'm just tired." Yeah. Like, <laughs> The same answer every time. <laughs> so, Melissa Dixon, you have a fight coming up in the next few weeks. Or, sorry, it's coming up in April, correct? Tell us a little bit. How's, how's the mind preparation and everything like that? Because it's still a little ways out, but but you have a fight upcoming. Um, to be fair, I need the the the, the date um, because my weight is um, always an issue. So I'm trying to get into a better position with my weight. However, <laughs> the previous conversation that we just had before recording is um, not my friend. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited. Um, she's a, a big record, uh, a name that is good contention for like making a lot of noise for myself in the future. Um, I've changed a little bit about my training in terms of I've lessened it. So the training that I do do becomes more focused and more um quality rather than doing too much the typical saying quality over quantity um and with that i found some of the best sessions last week for a very long time both in motivation and energy oh sounds good i mean because obviously you know uh, as you alluded to the conversation off air i i I saw you in five guys the other night so we're (laughs) The way it's coming down, it's making its way down slowly but surely. And luckily, you know, we've still got a few months until the April date. But uh, obviously, you know, you are from Coventry, train out of Lions Gym. That's Am I right? Yeah, Lions Gym, yeah. Coventry. Yeah, but I, am I right in thinking that you also, you headed down to London to do a bit of training down at, uh, is it GB, GB Top Team? Yeah. Yeah. So how did, how did, how did that go ahead of, of the um, April date? So it was my first one uh, and it was their Nogi slash wrestling uh, live session. Uh, and that was like really good. I found I was able to hold myself really well against some top contenders. Uh, who ones? Uh, I think she's just off to Invicta at the moment. Uh, they got a few Bellator fighters over there, and I rolled with some of the guys. So like one of the dudes got their last fight on Errors, uh, and then um, their head coach of the Nogi slash wrestling Ash uh, rolled with him. He absolutely smashed me, but I found that everyone else I did really well against. Um, and I'm going up there tomorrow to try a different session, big gloves, small gloves, sparring. Um, so that'll be my second session tomorrow. And obviously striking and wrestling are two different contenders against each other. So that will just let me know kind of where I'm at in terms of the top players of who've been in this game a lot longer than I. So motivated, excited, but very nervous as well. <laughs> Let me ask you as well, MMA is kind of a unique sport to get into. And like it, most people would go into, you know, a foot, a footy or something like that. What was the inspiration to actually get into combat sports? Were you in martial arts before? Was there a fighter that you, that you looked up to? Like, how did it all begin for you? Um, <laughs> you have no idea. Good. I don't know. I was at a gym one day. <laughs> it's just really, it's like kind of like an awkward story. Like I used to break dance. I wasn't the best break dancer it was just my hobby. It's what I like to do. Um, and I split with my ex-boyfriend um, at the time. And I just had nothing to go into. Like, I ended up living at my friend's house. Uh, my dog might bark, by the way. And if he does, I might have to run and tell him to shush. Um, I was living at my friend's house who literally lived literally a minute from the gym. And I would walk past the gym to go to our city centre every day. And I've always wanted to try martial arts. Like, I've always wanted to do karate. Like, I, I remember having a, a conversation with my sister about it. Um, and I just walked into the gym, literally having no idea what to expect. I owned no kit. I was pretty poor. Like, I was living on, um, I was working for the Coventry Sports Foundation at the time. So, a very minimal wage. Um, and I literally walked in. And then the next day, I booked myself for the free trial and I did the whole week every single class I could and I just loved it um my now husband uh which was one of the coaches at the time um he thought he was being punked because I was I guess because of breakdancing wrestling kind of felt natural and I was quite a strong female 
Um, I always have been strong, but now I'm even stronger. But at the time, I think he was just pleasantly surprised. Is but, that what yeah. first? Is that what first drew him to you? Is he was like, "Oh, this girl's strong. This is it. My future wife, right here." <laughs> His actual words were, uh, "When I walked into the gym, oh my god, she's hot. I fancy a bit of that." <laughs> but not talking. <laughs> that was what he said to Mokken, which is one of the dudes that work at the gym, and I was just like, "Oh." <laughs> That's very um, like appealing to hear. Yeah, if if also, I think I'm all right in thinking that pretty much nobody wants to fight your husband. He's, he's constantly match for fights, pullouts, match for fights, pullouts. So if there's any, am I, is he still an amateur or is he a pro now? He's pro. He's four he's and pro. two, four and three, four no four and two pro. Four and two, so yeah. he is beatable. Exactly, um, but you know any any pro guys in and around you know West Midlands, Coventry, Birmingham, anywhere. Get in touch because this guy cannot get a fight. Yeah, seventy-seven kilo. Fight him, seventy-seven kilos. Just fight. Come on, you, I, I, you know, I follow both of your careers, and I think for the past two or three fights, he's been scheduled, and then someone's pulled out, and someone's had to fill in, and someone's pulled out, and someone's had to. But this has been going back years. Since he was amateur. I, yeah. So yeah. you know, maybe he needs to come across as maybe a little less, you know, scary, a little less of a tough guy and people who want to actually fight him. That's the, the problem that he has, I think, at the moment is that uh, people don't want the smoke. But yeah, guys, get get in touch because it's it's, it's getting a bit it's getting a bit repetitive now for uh, for Melissa and, and, and her husband to be, you know, preparing for a fight and then, yeah, nobody wants to smoke. Let's hope that your opponent in uh, in April actually uh, makes the walk. But regardless... Uh, the weight. Yeah, that's, that's, that's another she issue. She she, she, yeah, uh, because I'm all right. I think that your last fight was at Feather. Is it was it last fight at Feather or the one? No, the one before. The one but before that was, was because it was uh two weeks notice after a bantamweight bout, and I didn't even know I was going to fight until well, they contacted fights, me. That's the problem, isn't it? You know, <laughs> too much of a problem. Food is a problem. <laughs> but let's jump into the news. I think there's news that we just such. So much is happening in the sport of MMA. It's been such a weird 2023, and it just has not stopped. In the last little while, Francis Ngannou and the UFC have failed to come to a contract agreement. They have stripped Francis Ngannou of the title. And now news has come out that John Jones and the top contender Cyril Gaon will be fighting for the undisputed title. T-Mobile Arena apparently leaked the poster. Um, I, there's so much, so many moving parts to this story, and I don't know where to start. But Melissa, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this story? Like, what do you think? And tell us everything here. Um, you'll be surprised to know I actually don't want to uh, watch an awful lot of MMA. Like, I'm not an MMA <clears throat> geek, let's call it. Um, my husband, on the other hand, could tell you lashings of stories and history of MMA. Um, however, um, my sort of Input with this is obviously I trained over at MMA Factory in uh, Paris, where Cyril Garn's head coach, um, Mr. Lopez, uh, is um, from. Uh, and Cyril Garn is a very lovely guy, so I uh, I will be uh, cheering for him. He complimented me on my fighting errors and said that James was a great coach. Um, <laughs> Cyril Garn is good. He's a, a strong fighter. However, I feel that um, potentially he's not as technical as the other fighter. Um, but he is strong. He is a big guy. And I, I guess the fight can go in any way. It just all depends on the story of the day. Mm, absolutely. Fraser, what do you think? What, what are your thoughts? Help me make sense of this. Yeah, I, I'd love to help you make sense of it, but I cannot. <laughs> I cannot understand why you've got essentially the baddest man on the planet, Francis Ngannou. You've got a guy who has got a highlight reel as long as you want, you know, knockout after knockout after knockout. And then even when he's not knocking people out, he's changing his style up against Cyril Gann in what, about a year ago, almost to the day, I imagine, to, to out-wrestle Cyril Gann. You know, people were picking Cyril Gann going into that fight and Francis mixed it up and, and, and wrestled with him instead. And, you know, he's had his injuries this year, or sorry, last year, and you know Dana's claiming, ah, oh, we couldn't, we couldn't sign him to a contract. Well, you know, you've got a guy. It's not like he just sat out and just been sat out training and 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 you know turning down fights. But from what we've heard, Dana said that he has turned down fights. And he would have been the highest paid uh, heavyweight of all time, higher than Lesnar, higher than you know Velasquez back in the day, and obviously higher than than Stipe and 
even you know John Jones, I, I think he's he's alluding to that he'd be paid more than John Jones, and yet I'm struggling to to agree with Dana. I don't think Francis Ngannou. I mean, just looking at him, I can't imagine he's scared of anybody, let alone you know the the a guy who's coming up in weight. We don't know what John Jones is going to look like at, at heavyweight, and to not be able to sign into a contract at all, I think is is the UFC's loss and potentially you know, either PFL or, or Bellator's gain, you know, I think, not sure if, you know, the, the bigger named fights, I think, are at Bellator with the Ryan Bader's, obviously Fedor's um, last dance in the, in a few weeks. But I think the bigger names are are in Bellator, but the bigger money, if that's what Francis Ngannou is all about, which, you know, knowing his backstory, you can't blame him for sort of following the money, is in the PFL, is in the Super Fight League of of. Jake Paul, Jake Paul could really be the thorn in Dana White's side, which is ironic after after their back and forth in in uh, all of last year. Which, you know, I don't like to say it. You know, we we on this show especially think that Jake Paul is is questionable for the sport, but there's no denying that he's doing good things for fighters now. Sorry, Melissa. You go no, no, I agree with your point. Like uh, me and my husband had this discussion. Like for a dude that almost doesn't have to train for the amount of money that he's got within his worth like he doesn't have to train how he trains so in that I rate him however he it's almost as if he's making a joke of the situation and all of the MMA fighters and boxers that he is calling out or in fact are reacting on what he is putting out there but at the end of the day he's bringing more noise than most people have bought in years I think maybe McGregor is the only other person to bring so much noise to the sport uh, publicly to the non sort of athletic person, the non average eye of MMA, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's, it's difficult. Yeah, I agree with you. Obviously, it's, it's great to get like an actual fighter's perspective because me and Tim can talk about it and say, ah, you know, fighters should be paid more, fighters should be paid more. But, you know, I then go to my, my nine to five job and, and sort of, you know, get paid while I get paid whereas you guys you know you're training each and every day like you say you got you know it's only January and you're already having to in the back of your mind you, you've got that constant anxiety that worry about making weight getting trained obviously going into a fucking cage to fight somebody but mm. you know for for Paul it's yeah it's I totally agree with you it's it's finding that happy medium between yes he's bringing more eyes to the sport which in turn maybe means more pay-per-view buys which in turn maybe means more you know sort of money for the fighters but at the same time it's it's is it good for the sport like you say he he doesn't he could probably retire today we don't have to see him on social media or or training or fighting and he'll he'll live a very wealthy happy lifestyle but he does he does but try to better himself every day it's hard to sort of you know not it's hard not to respect that but at the same time is he, like you say, making a bit of a mockery of it and sort of saying, you know, I'm going to this to try and get one over on Dana White kind of thing? I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I think look at it like if someone like Jake Paul has now made – sorry, Francis Ngannou, the deal that they offered him apparently was more than the Fedor deal. So Fedor, they were saying, we'll do $6 million a fight for like four fights or something like that. Um, they're saying we were offered Ngannou more money than that. So let's say they offered him $7 million. That's still less than what Jake Paul was making to beat up Ben Askren and beat up Tyrone Woodley. And even Dana White said in the press conference, Francis Ngannou wants to fight lesser competition for more money. Dude, you 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 criticized yourself there, Dana White. You said it. He will make more money anywhere else he goes. This is a product that the USC and it actually ended up building themselves because if you had like Francis Ngannou will make more money in one boxing fight than the entire heavyweight division got paid mm-hmm. last year. And it's not a it's not a factor of like Jake Paul. Jake Paul took took advantage of the, the way that the boxing pay structure is built, which is that the fighters get paid a ton of money. Francis Ngannou is at no fault for if I take one boxing fight, even against a top five boxer, a top 10 boxer, I'll get paid more than in my entire career. Something's a little bit funny going on here. When you compare these numbers, like you have to look at it and like, is the UFC... Is the UFC UFC has to be in the wrong here. Most, I don't know. Help me out here. Well, am I wrong? What do you think? Mm, it's always been notoriously known that the UFC's paydays are not as grand as, let's say, PFL. Um, and the worst thing is, as well, like regarding UFC and sponsors, if you want to be able to associate yourself with a sponsor through the UFC, the sponsor actually has to pay the UFC directly. 
and sponsors don't want to do that, you know. Um, and that's where a lot of fighters' money comes from is through sponsorship on those type of deals. Um, I know, for example, Liam McCourt, like she's on Bellator and she's making bucks just and she's leading her own career you know she's a very independent person within the sport herself um she chooses like her fights her sponsorships like uh her training like she she's all self-funded and it's all comes from sponsorships and her fights like how much she gets paid and whatnot whereas like a, a ufc fighter is literally gagging on to their next paycheck of fighting in a ufc and you can only really fight four times a year like yeah. effectively to have a very good and uh, like strong career in terms of winning. Like if you fight more than that, you're kind of blowing your uh, own sort of gas uh, trumpet too much um, and therefore potentially causing a negative effect to yourself. Um, so it is like the contradictory sort of situation. Like the UFC will bring you more noise to your name, yeah. but in effect it's just noise um whereas like someone like the pfl are currently going to be doing the the league who are going to be putting so much money behind like different weight classes and they're like for example they're building dakota like dakota is their 57 kilo queen at the moment um and she's got she's she's sitting in with uh is it d-a-z-n i don't know if, I don't know if yeah, that's like, how you yeah. like she's sitting with them she's got um deals with uh Ah. Block acid. Oh yes, yes, exactly. She just yeah. signed with them. She just bought herself a bloody new car. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, she's like twenty three, I think. Yeah, yeah, she's I'm young. Thirty years old. She's sitting like, like she's she's doing very, very, very well, uh, and it just proves that PFL are clearly doing great things for her because all of this stuff has happened while she sat with them in the, their brackets. Yeah. Um, so there's money to be made in MMA, maybe not in the UFC though. Fraser, what do you think? Yeah, yeah no, I completely agree. And, and going back to the, the John Jones situation, he signed an eight fight deal. If John Jones fights eight more fights, I mean, I'd be surprised. He'll be, I don't know how old he is now. He's, he's what, early 30s now, but he's not fighting eight more fights. There's no, ch- he's had what, no fights in the past three or four years, so he's not going to be fighting eight more fights all at heavyweight. Yes, he doesn't have to cut the weight and whatnot, but there's not eight contenders out there for him to fight, to be honest. Oh, we got another guest. Can we have another <laughs> guest? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, oh. you know, with, with Jones, it's the Jones and, uh, Jones Garn fight, it confuses me slightly yeah. because, you know, it, 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 France has been stripped. France is the undisputed champion without a doubt, and, and yeah. If Jones beats Garn, you then say, "Well, Jones hasn't fought Ngannou, so so who's who's the who's yeah. the real champ? Who's the who's the undisputed champion? If if Garn beats Jones, you can say, "Well, Cyril Garn lost pretty con- convincingly to Francis Ngannou." Like, it's it's, yeah. it's going to be a, a good few years before we can legitimately say this is the best heavyweight on the planet because it, Francis Ngannou is the best heavyweight on the planet, and and at the moment, you know, regardless of who wins in in March there's always going to be the asterisk next to it. It's like, it's a little bit like yeah. the, the, light, uh, the lightweight division with Khabib for the, you know, we're constantly asking, well, would Charles Oliveira have beaten Khabib? Would Charles Oliveira have beaten Khabib? You know, Islam Makachev, he's a teammate of Khabib. So would he have ever fought for the battle if it weren't for Khabib kind of thing? And it's, you know, it's difficult. It's like welterweight for a long time when, when GSP retired, is Robbie Lawler really the, or Johnny Hendricks, are these guys really the best 170 pounder in the world? Or, is it just because GSP sat out? It's like Henry Cejudo question now. Is Aljamain Sterling the best 135? We don't know because because Henry Cejudo could return and could absolutely dominate him. It's, it's a difficult. It's difficult, and uh, as Mercy was alluding to there, you know, PFL are building these guys. You know, Rob Wilkinson now having left the UFC off the back of two losses. I think it's six, five or six losses on the bounce, all finishes. Could he mix it with Alex Pereira? I think he probably could. Brendan Lockney has been going back and forth with uh, Charles Rosa. I don't know who Charles Rosa thinks he is, but I think Brendan would absolutely wipe the floor with him, to be honest. <laughs> it, you know? And for, for those of you that aren't following Brendan Lockney on Twitter, get all over it. Because even if, you know, if you're having a bad day, just read through Brendan's tweets. It'll cheer you up. It's absolutely hilarious. It's, it's classic British, British sort of comebacks to Charles <laughs> Rosa. But 
you know, Charles Rosa, with the greatest respect, isn't ranked in the top 15. And Brendan Lochnane's just beat, you know, uh, Chris Wade in, in London. He's just beat Bubba Jenkins. Like, these are top, top guys. Brendan can mix it, in my opinion, with the top top five, you know. And, and you know, to, to not even be in the UFC and to be able to to be that skilled and, and, and mix it with, with some of the best guys, I think, you know, that's a... You can't now say that the UFC is has sort of autonomy over all the best best fighters in in all the weight divisions because you know the, money the women's talk. exactly money talk, exactly it's, it's the whole oh, I want to make it to the UFC I want to make it to the UFC and now people are saying oh maybe I'll, I'll try the PFL maybe I'll go to Bellator instead because it's not the be all and end all now I don't think to to make it to the UFC and it depends you know if you want to depends what your motivation is if, if you're in it as a as a fight business maybe you go to the pfl because you know as most of us alluding to dakota's you know there's no denying that the ufc would have built her but there's no chance they would have built her in the way that the pfl has. she's very much the sort of the poster girl especially at, at the lower weight like, you know obviously we've got kayla as the poster girl at the at the at the one at the 155 and yeah. but dakota's is quickly becoming you know Kayla Harrison has had a career outside of MMA, you know, two-time Olympic gold medalist. We all know her backstory. Dakota's just starting her career. Like like you say, she's still only, what, 23, 24. And she's going to be a PFL star now for years to come and then can join the UFC when she's financially set. I mean, like, like you said, she's not doing too badly for herself at the moment. She's got a lot of sponsorship deals. But what would be the motivation to, to join the UFC at the moment? Exactly. You know, it's... It's a difficult one for me, but you know it's it's great to get a, a professional fighter's view on it because you know a lot of a lot of people say, "Ah, uh, you know, do you train a UFC and all this?" And it's just like, well, that's not that's not it anymore. You know, it's not it's not for, for if if I was going into you know fighting professionally, I wouldn't say the UFC is a be all and end all anymore. No, You've I agree. President promoting slap fighting, it's a fucking joke. But like, <laughs> you know, you don't see any, any like the the PFL. It seemed to put a lot of emphasis lately on this European season. They've they've released the four dates. You know they're going to Newcastle in, in the UK. I think they're going to France, Germany, and then finishing off with the finals in Dublin on December eighth. They're already t- taken over the European market. Now the UFC is booked. Obviously, we've got the March date, but and I think you know there's rumours of them returning to Paris. But there's there's no other. You know, they, they haven't been anywhere else for. You, you know, pre-pandemic, they obviously went to Gdansk in Poland. They had the, the card in Hamburg. I think they had a Copenhagen card. They had a Glasgow yeah. card. But yeah. this is years ago. Bellator mm-hmm. have always been, you know, active in, in Europe. The PFL obviously went to Cardiff and London last year. Obviously, you've got areas that sort of take over the French market, as it were. You've got KSW, Cage Warriors, you know. And PFL are sort of becoming the big promotion within Europe. And UFC are, are taking a back step almost and sort of exclusive. These fights in the apex, like this weekend, there was no need for that fight, to, that fight card to be in the apex. Yep. But it's, it's a money-saving thing. So I think the UFC and Dana White are, and, and Endeavour are far more concerned about, about financials and, and money than they are about actually, you know, the, putting the, the, you know, these are some of the best fights, but the best fight at heavyweight includes Francis Ngannou. Yep. And that they weren't able to come to an agreement, which is uh, it's disappointing. UFC has had that legitimacy issue at some points in the past. Like BJ Penn left with the title at one point and just like toured Japan for a while. And for years, like Sean Shirk was not the number one ranked guy. It was BJ Penn who was overseas. <laughs> it's a rare thing, but most of these guys like Randy Couture and BJ Penn came back to the UFC at one point. So I don't know, Francis Agandu will take a tour, do some boxing, maybe PFL, maybe Bellator, make more money than he ever has in his life, and maybe come back to the UFC at some point. We'll have to see. But I do want to ask, so on the actual John Jones, Cyril Gone fight, one of our favorite, one of our former writers, Ed Gallo, had a theory that if you don't drill wrestling every day, you will lose your wrestling skill. And his theory was looking at John Jones's career of like, this guy was a very good wrestler. And the reason I'm saying this is because if Francis Ngannou could out-wrestle Cyril Gone, you have to think John Jones can out-wrestle Cyril Gone. But if his, he hasn't been drilling wrestling for 10 years. So Melissa, I'll ask you directly. As a fighter, is wrestling, if it's something you're not drilling and working on every day, is it a skill that deteriorates with time? 
I don't think I can actually physically answer that because I feel like when you learn something, um, like break dancing, I know how to break dance, and I've break danced for prior MMA for like six years. I physically can't do what I used to do then now. And granted, I'm older. Granted, I'm more broken because of MMA. Um, <laughs> but, like, how I think of it is wrestling is, like, chain link. So one move leads to the next, sets up the next, sets up the next. And those patterns aren't always the same. They change depending on how the person moves. So you need to, like, notoriously know those movements, like, like you're cheating on a test almost because they 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 they, they don't come like naturally unless you know them like i could name you five moves off the top of my hand but none of them connect in the way that they should because there's all these little neuro sort of movements that need them to connect somehow like that's just my opinion of it like um there's a there's a fighter I generally wish James was here right now because this <laughs> conversation would be flowing. But there's a fighter and he physically, he doesn't spar anymore because he knows like, how, like he knows how it's going to pan out and play because he knows how he moves. Um, so in my opinion, I think it just generally depends on like who you are, what you're about. Like Some people believe in K-Drust. I don't. Um and some people believe that will affect them. So I think it just generally depends on who you are. Fraser, last word on the subject goes to you. Yeah, I just think, yeah, it's interesting because we, we haven't seen John Jones since, I've got it, February 8th, 2020, against Dominic Reyes, where it was an unconvincing victory. Then against Thiago Santos, if Thiago Santos hadn't blew out his knees, pretty unconvincing victory again. Anthony Smith, pretty unconvincing victory. If you remember his fight before that, Alexander Gustafsson, he got moved from, was it from Vegas to California or yes. from California yes. to Vegas? Yeah, so because of the, the the picogram situation. That was his last convincing, convincing win, I think, Alexander Gustafsson in 2018. It, it's going to be difficult for John Jones to, 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 you know, he's now got a heavyweight frame. And he, you know, he was never a fighter that put a, a, a crazy, crazy pace on you. He was always very methodical. And this is, in, you know, in his light heavyweight days, very methodical, quite a slow fighter to get. But then when he wanted to go, he could go. How much, you know, what is he going to weigh in at? Is is he going to be a two sixty five or is he going to be a, a Chris Dalgas at, at two twenty five? I, I imagine he'll be around two fifty five, two sixty to take that much time off and only put on sort of twenty odd pounds is it seems like a waste of time. You know, it, it would appear that he, he maybe should have got fully into this heavyweight frame of it. But but how is he going to fight? You know, with the, as Melissa was alluding to there, he's got the, the ingrained skills. We, we know that he's, what, 26 and one with a no contest against Daniel Cormier. And that one loss was a DQ. So, you know, let's, let's say 27 and 0. He's made the walk 20, 28 times with the no contest against Dan and he's fought some of the best guys. You know, Daniel Cormier wasn't allowed it wasn't able to take him down. Yeah. He's obviously dominated Glover Tashir, who we'll go on to talk about in in a little bit. Alexander Gustafsson twice. You know, Dominic Reyes when Dominic Reyes was undefeated. Chael Sun and Vita Balfour, Rashad Evans, Leota Machida Quint I mean, I, I could carry on, but you know, it's just a, an embarrassment of riches. And he's he's got that ingrained skill, but but how will it go to heavyweight? Cyril Gan you know, Melissa will be able to allude to this more. Isn't isn't making light heavyweight unless he chops an arm or a leg off. The guy, he's a big dude. He's a, exactly, he's a big guy. He's and you know, well. exactly. You know, these these are things that maybe you know. Just got it here. Six foot four, Cyril Gan. Jesus, John Jones, six foot four. But John Jones has got the the longer reach, but it's it's being able to use that reach. Yeah, because Cyril Gan is fast. We we've seen that. We saw against Taito Avassa in, in, in Paris in, in September. Once he smells blood, he can switch it on and go from zero to 100 quickly. Is John Jones going to be prepared for that? Because 
not only is he, you know, Cyril Gann's probably, aside from maybe Tom Aspinall, the fastest, the fastest heavyweight in, in the division, you know, speed kills. And I, I really think that could be a factor. Not only is John Jones now being hit by a, a legitimate heavyweight, but he's being hit by a legitimate heavyweight at speed. And this is, you know, he's a stand-up guy. And yes, you know, his takedown defense is, is questionable, but that was a year ago. How do we know that Cyril Gann hasn't been drilling takedown defense every single day for for the past 52 weeks, for the past, you know, 365 days? We didn't really see it against Tai Tuivasa because Tai was, was never going to go in there and try and double-leg him. But it, it's such an intriguing fight, but I just think it should be for an interim belt and Francis Ngannou should still be in the in the promotion. But, you know, it is, it is what it is. March 5th or March 4th, I think the fight goes down. I'm, I'm complaining. I will watch it. I will watch the hell out of it and I'll analyse it beforehand because it is going to be a banger. But it's just, it's. It, I'm going to struggle to call it undisputed if we've still got Francis Ngannou walking the planet as the baddest man on the planet. And, uh, you know, as you alluded to, PFL, Bellator, boxing, as far as I'm concerned, BKFC can fuck right off. And we, we can keep, we can keep keep the uh, the actual the actual fighting promotions or, or boxing. I, I don't want to see him in BKFC. It doesn't entertain me at all. Man, so the other day, one championship did their open weight Grand Prix announcement. They said we're putting up a million dollars for the open weight Grand Prix. They put Alistair Overeem on the poster, who signed under a different organization. But other people have said like this is actually a way to attract Francis Ngannou. And then BKFC stood up and said we're trying to get Francis Ngannou. It's like man, this is this is this is the hottest. What's the word? Free agent that we've had in decades. This is a big one. Anyway, we got to move forward. Let's do a quick one championship word. Uh, had a great kickboxing battle this weekend between Superbon and Shinkis Alizov. Uh, Shinkis Alizov earned a second round knockout. Absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. Uh, Fraser, what did you think? We'll just do a quick word on it and then get to UFC 283. It was, yeah, shocking is, is, is the word. You, I, you know, we, we were talking about it last week on the show that, that Superbon is pound for pound greatness. Yes, at, at at this way, uh, well, at, at this in this in this sport of of, of kickboxing, and yeah, you know, I, but Alisov just it almost flew under the radar. You know, I, I saw, I was watching highlights of it before I managed to watch the whole fight, and, and one of the highlights I saw, he, he's gone, he's gone calf kick, body kick, Superman punch, and landed all three of them. And it's like yeah. you don't do that. You just don't. <laughs> you know, you, I I can't even move that quickly kicking air, you know, let alone kicking and being scared of the comeback as well. Phenomenal performance. And, you know, it topped off what was quite, a, you know, a really good night for one championship. You know, disappointing with the the, the stamp fight falling out, but glad that they managed to get a fight, you know, over, That's over the line. Yeah, exactly. And, but, you know, what, what, what do you do when you've got a style like that? You don't want her to fall off the car, then you've got to put her in it. And then, you know, like you say, controversial because did she get a little bit of sort of a nod because you know, she is the bigger name, in, mm. in, in my opinion. She is. You Absolutely. Know, we saw Rod Tang competing kickboxing, which is, you know, it's just fun, isn't it? You know, it's just jab, jab you know, faking jabs to the body, jabs to the head, jabs to the body, jab to the head. You know, Rod Tang going to do Rod Tang things, you know, Shock horror, Gary Tonin finishes the fight by submission. Well, yeah, yeah. of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's a really, really good cut. Really, you know, like, like we said last week, if, if you if you missed it, go back and watch it because it's, it's a fun card. If, if you can only watch one fight, I'd definitely watch the main event and yeah. have in the back of your head just how good Superbon is. And that makes the, the Alisson performance just that much that much better. Melissa, it sounds like you watched some of the fights this weekend. Is that right? Um, I tend to watch like highlights and clips caught from yeah. people reposting and stuff. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not much of a a fan of watching MMA unless it's like a, a fight. Like you guys sound literally oh. critical of every moment and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, well, I caught some of the highlights. I'm obviously female, so I like to watch female fights. Um I caught up on the stamp versus uh, Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, I I, I, I do think that uh, stamp got the nod based on her sort of being. Um, I, I, I agree. found I was... she was backed up. She was on a back foot a lot. She was against yeah. the cage a lot. 
I thought feel the girl uh, Supergirl landed a lot more cleaner shots. Yeah, no, I do. Co-sign. I was a little bit surprised. It's like Stamp was fighting a, a bigger someone who was bigger, taller, bigger weight class, um, so it was a little bit tougher for her. But I, I thought the same thing. Stamp probably didn't win that fight, and Supergirl deserved to win. It was a split decision, but you know what? At the end of the day, Supergirl doesn't return my messages, and Stamp does. So whatever. So Stamp won. <laughs> so let's so let's talk to USC two eighty three. Um, it's a big one. It feels like we've been waiting for a few months for have a real like a major UFC event, and finally we got it. We had a little bit of a mess with the light heavyweight title going down. But now we got this weekend, we got Devison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. And then we're going to have Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hall Hill. Even though I think we had a mess with the light heavyweight division, I managed to get really excited for this upcoming Rio de Janeiro card. Melissa, let's, let's, let's start with you. What do you make of the main event? Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hall Hill. What are your thoughts? What do you make of this one? Fraser, go ahead. Fraser, actually, sorry, I misspoke. Fraser, please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, as far as a, a late notice fight, you know, we, we got this fight booked, what, a month ago, six weeks ago? I mean, there's certainly worse fights to book on six weeks' yeah. notice for, to headline in in Brazil. You know, Glover Teixeira returned to Brazil for the first time in a long while, I think. I don't, I can't recall the last time Glover fought in Brazil. Um, in a minute. Yeah, you know, Brazil, he hasn't fought in Brazil 2015 when he beat Patrick Cummins by TKO in the second round. You know, that's that's a long time for a Brazilian. You know, he is a Brazilian. He does live in the US, of course. But for me, I'm wondering how much that um, Jiri Prachka fight took out of Glover Teixeira. You know, that was a war for best part of 25 minutes before he, before he was subbed. I think he's got two or three rounds to get Jamal Hill out of there, or at least get Jamal Hill on the ground. You know, Jamal Hill, his one UFC loss has come with, and Paul Craig made his arm, you know, took the bones out of his arm and snapped his arm to bits and just essentially just beat the shit out of him. And, you know, it's, 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 it's I think it's a striker versus grappler. Tashira is going to try and get this to the floor. Jamal Hill, take down stats. Take down average per 15 minutes, zero. Take down accuracy, zero. He's never shot for a takedown. He loves to keep it standing. And rightfully so, you know. That Johnny Walker knockout, the Jimmy Crute finish at the I think he finished Jimmy Crute, yeah. And then the uh the the Tiago Santos finish, you know, it's he is effective on the feet. And I think he's effective defensively grappling. But I just think that I, it's a really hard one to pick because on paper I think Jamal Hill wins it. You know, he's he's had thirteen fights. Glover Teixeira's had about thirteen hundred fights. You know, and yeah. but but the thing is, I think he's just Jamal Hill's a heavier hitter, and I I think that might pay dividends in this one because of the the war that uh, Glover went through. What last was it June July? You know, that's six seven months off is is not an awfully long time. It's 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 a tough one because Glover not only gone through wars since in the last year, he's, he, his entire career has just been putting wear and tear on his body. This guy trained with Chuck Liddell. That's how long he's been hanging out in the sport. And Jamal Hall Hill, like I'll, I'll say it directly, he's not as talented as Glover Teixeira. And I think Jamal Hall Hill might win this fight. I, all he needs is one punch. And Glover is is a tough as nails guy who gets hit a lot in fights. Even in his prime, he was getting hit. He's lost a step. He has slowed down. I think it's going to spoil the party in Brazil. Melissa, how much does hometown advantage actually play into a fight in the cage? Because us as fans and as, as 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 like media, we think it's a very important thing, and we think it's a factor. As a fighter, what do you think? Um, I've been in sport a, a long, long time, like general sport, um, and I've always read about like home advantage and whatnot. Um, I think I felt it the most when I actually fought a French woman in a French nation in the French city, sorry, of Paris. Um, and for me at, at that time, it was uh, overcast with sort of the excitement of being on a larger platform um, and like sort of all the new experiences that come along with that. Um, thinking about it, like backhand, I performed very, very, very well in front of a home crowd. Um, I find that when I'm in France, I struggle to eat. Um I'm not sure like quite like the the good places to go to or the foods that are going to help with my weight cut. Like I went to uh, a sushi Pokeball, bought a Pokeball uh, 
restaurant and um I asked for like no salt of any kind like I didn't want soya sauce that was completely lost in translation ended up having avocado soya sauce rice and all of the things I shouldn't be having in weight cut week um which didn't aid to my weight cut of that fight um obviously Rislin had a massive home crowd um almost in a sense you could suggest that I was fed to her by promotion on and expected to lose um her being like could you do co female fighter uh from their like primary gym of France or the most notorious said gym in France um so I think if I didn't have all of the the feelings of first time experience I think they would have come into effect a lot more however as I said it was sort of overcast by the the feelings of excitement and sort of adrenaline and stuff like this um but yeah if you look at like the Leon fight uh the first time round where they were in Utah and like UK has nothing in comparison to like um what was it the the air Oh, the, oh, the, the altitude. Altitude. Yeah, yeah, altitude. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I think not being flown over there uh, early enough in, a, in in his camp, obviously that paid a massive of a disadvantage to him. Um, so yeah, in a sense, home advantage is massive, Absolutely. especially Very when you're used to. Oh, sorry. sorry, carry on. No, oh, no, no I, you know, obviously we've got the Leon versus Kamaru trilogy fight now confirmed for the O2, and you know Leon trains not far from me and Melissa in, in, in Birmingham. It's a it's an hour train journey down to London. The air isn't going to change from Birmingham down to London. He's gonna know all the good places to eat. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna have his connections down in London with 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 all the guys down there. And I think that, that will play a, a big advantage for Leon. You know, Kamara Usman off the top of my head has never fought in the UK. I I'm pretty sure he hasn't fought in the UK. And Leon has, you know, he's been on pretty much every UFC London he's, made, he's literally made the walk in the O2 as a co-main event against um, Gunnar Nelson a few years I think that was not the, not the card just gone but the, the card before that he I think as far as you know Glover obviously lives in, in the US but he's going to have the Brazilian crowd behind him I think Leon you know obviously English guy and you know Prior to his win, I don't think a lot of UK fans got behind Leon because it wasn't the most exciting style. It wasn't the you know he wasn't the massive talker. He wasn't a big shit talker. And now he's almost not Kamaru. I'm not even convinced Kamaru's has come round yet from that head kick in back in August. I think there's massive, massive hype around Leon Edwards, not only in the in the, the wider UFC round, but especially in the UK and especially in Birmingham. You know, you're going to have all these guys. And it was just announced. Uh, last week, that Bellator, I think, are returning to Paris, maybe, and, and it's but it's, it's Leon Edwards' brother uh, Fabian taking on Gay Garbage Sassy, you know. So the guys are going to be in training camp around the same time. I think that's going to be that's going to be a big factor as well. That they're both going to be looking to peak around the same time. And you know, going back to UFC 283, I think there's a lot of Brazilians on this card, and it all depending on how how they do it could really flatline in the main event. If you've got four Brazilians coming off losses in the first four fights before, the crowd could be a little bit flat. And it's, you know, I think that's, that's, that's a big factor because none of the, the Brazilian guys are in an easy fight. You know, none of these are gimmies. And especially, you know, you've got, like I say, a lot, pretty much just looking down the card now, almost every single fight, no, every single fight has a Brazilian fighter in it. That could go quite badly. Depending on on results prior to prior to uh, you know we we saw Dan Ige fight this weekend. Luckily, he was able to get the, the knockout. But he watched his childhood friend Puna Soriano get knocked out. How much does that affect you? I'm I'm not quite sure. But like like I say, if if all the Brazilian guys or a lot of the Brazilian guys lose or, or they're you know boring fights or, or 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 whatnot ahead of ahead of the main event or the co-main event, I think that could play a, a big factor. Yeah, we yeah we that's it. That's exactly it. And remember the first Brazilian event they had a uh, Nogueira got a win over Brendan Schaub, and that just felt like that that got the rest of the Brazilian fighters kind of lit. Seeing a legend get a win like that. If Shogun loses on the undercard, 
that's it. Put a wrap on the Brazilian fighters. They're not watching anymore. But let's go to the co-main event. Divis and Figueiredo and Brandon Moreno will be battling for the fourth time, I believe. They've got a draw, a win, and a win each at this point. So it is actually a tied record going into this fight. And I don't think there's a bad pick in it. If you think the jab of Brandon Moreno will pull through as it has before, sure. If you think the power of Davis and, of Davis and Figueiredo will pull through, sure. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. What do you guys, what, what do you make of this fight? I don't know who to pick because I've seen it all in the, between their, uh, like, what, 70 minutes they've been fighting or something insane like that? Like they, you know what I mean? What do you guys think? From the sort of sports psychology sort of side of things, not not that I'm a sports psychologist, mm-hmm. um, I think when you've, when you know sort of that person, like, let's just say I, I, I spar someone daily, weekly, um, yeah. You kind of know how they feel, their process, their feel out. But when it becomes a, a fight, you never know like how the process is going to pan out. However, if they've already fought each other three times, um, sitting in that cage again is just going to feel like like a spar almost. Just with that sort of, they're, they're, and again, they're both level playing fields. Like there's, they both want to win the fight, obviously, but like there's nothing behind them now. Like if they're both at sort of a draw in the situation, that situation's behind them. This this fight that counts now. Mm. Whereas if it was one of them sort of in a higher win bracket at the uh, uh, between them both, then you would feel like the confident guy would be the one that's been winning more so than the one that's less confident. But he would have more of a sort of driving training to train harder. So it kind of depends on who's bringing what to the table and if they're able to counter the game that previously they they struggled with well this is what i think is fascinating because obviously you know brandon moreno beats beats figueredo goes into the the second fight loses the second fight then goes into his interim title fight with kaikara france in i think it was in july with james kraus in his corner no he's not got james kraus in his corner this time he's got safe saoud at 40 mma how much is that going to make, you know, as you alluded to, you know, can you counter your opponent's game plan? Well, what are we going to, are we going to see something new? You know, this is three different trainers and three different fights for Brandon Moreno now, I believe. I, I've i never fought, but let's say, you know, a month out from your, your fight in April, for whatever reason, your, your, your husband can't corner you, your normal team, a corner team can't corner you. Do you think that'll play, play into it a little bit? You know, having new, new, New new voices in your in your ear between rounds and before the fight and fight week and whatnot. Um, I've kind of got an experience in that. So when I was the amateur, uh, I went to the IMAX and in the IMAX we're not allowed our normal head coaches. Uh, well, you, it's not that you're not allowed them; they have to pay a lot of money in order to be there. And at the time, that situation wasn't allowed. Uh, it wasn't possible. Sorry. Um, I found it quite hard to be coached by humans that don't quite understand you and how you're feeling they don't know how to quite warm you up like thinking about warm-ups that I've done with James like he can tell when I'm switched on or how to switch me on or what I need in order to sort of comprehend the situation that's about to happen um in the IMAF it was almost kind of you go in there you do a job you come out like there there is generally no emotion in it like you, you you don't you don't feel it for your team. However, when your team is there, you feel it for your team. It's very emotional. When I uh, beat Mafalda, like although I beat her, I still was so upset by my performance because my team, I felt like I let them down. Like, and I didn't perform how I wanted to perform in the cage. But as I've said like three or two times now so far, like it all depends on the night and what comes together. And I, I generally do think that you need that sort of switch on in the corner to tell you what you need in order to win the next round. And that small sort of catching your personality that they understand that's going to turn that around for you. Um, so, yeah, in my opinion, I think it does matter who's in your corner and who you've built that relationship with and how they know your triggers. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, your your situation is amplified because obviously your husband's in your corner. So you have that relationship outside of the cage and then in the cage, it's the coach-fighter relationship. But with, with Brandon Moreno, he, 
he doesn't know Seyfried, and Seyfried can't just put his it's all into Brandon. And I'm not saying that James Krause put it all into Brandon Moreno, but that was James Krause's. I'm pretty sure, you know, it was his second championship fight. He had Megan Anderson, who just got absolutely dominated by Amanda Nunes. It didn't come to a great surprise. But not then, surprised. exactly, yeah, I think <laughs> you know it, it wouldn't matter. It could, it could have put James Krause in there at 170 pounds. He probably would have been dominated by by <laughs> by Nunes. But you know, I think it was James Krause's first champion and one of the best opportunities heading into that title fight to get a world champion at Glory MMA. And that, you know, it, it's, it's difficult for, for Moreno because he no longer has that relationship with James Krause because James Krause is not going to be in his corner. Like I say, say Saeed, he's got Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal was preparing for a fight this past weekend. Didn't go ahead. He's now preparing for a March day. He's got... You know, Raul Rosas. I've seen. I've seen that the Moreno and, and Raul Rosas have been training together. Say Saud cannot be going in one hundred percent with Brandon Moreno, which I do think. You know, alluding to what Melissa was saying, he doesn't know his triggers. He doesn't know, you know, how Brandon's going to be affected by by fighting at home. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. away. Sorry, uh, in, in Brazil. You know, Davidson Figueiredo is the Brazilian in this situation. He is the the native the native guy, the native speaker. And say so, I don't know how, you know, I'm not saying so, so a bad, bad coach by any stretch of the imagination, but it's going to be difficult to coach a guy that you've only had the best part of what, a month and a half, maybe even only a month sort of training. It's 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 going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for Moreno to maybe understand what safe side wants from him because there's potentially, a, you know, a, a communication barrier there between coach and fighter, not knowing fully, what makes your fighter tick and then what your coach wants from you. You can say, you know, kick to the body or, or you know, you know, follow up your, your, your jab with, with, with the hook. But, you know, anyone can analyse the situation, but it's how you analyse it and then make it specific to your fighter. Exactly, then... exactly. You know, I can sit on the sofa and say, oh, you know, Brandon Moreno really needs to, you know, figure out those lead legs there, you know, slam the lead leg or, or you know, keep to the jab or throw the liver kick that you threw against Kaikara France. And that's easy for me to say sat on the sofa in a thousand miles away. But in the moment, can say Saeed, calm his fighter down. You know, you, we've only got the best part. You, you know, they say it's a minute between rounds and Melissa alludes to, allude to this more than me. It's a minute between rounds, but by the time you get back to your corner, your corner gets your stool in there. And then your corner, at, the, at the end of the, the minute, the corner has to obviously get out. It's, it's, you're talking sort of 45 to 50 seconds. It goes quick as well. Exactly. And it's not even that. You can't, uh, the first couple of, like, 20 <coughs> seconds, you're not listening to a word, especially <laughs> if it's been a hard round. You're sat there like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. Um, you, you were covered in blood and everything. And it's just, you know, it, it was... It was it, you, And you're supposed to be able to be switched on straight away. You know, you, you, you've been cut and, you know, you're supposed to be able to switch on straight away, listen to your corner, take on all the advice and then implement it all within a, in a minute. It's, it's it's unrealistic, really. And, you know, this is what we're kind of saying, you know, you, you in a way, you're quite lucky that your fight ended just before, you know, a second or two seconds before the, the round because, you know, as you kind of alluded to, for that first 20 seconds, you're not even listening or you, you're not being able to comprehend what your coach is saying, let alone mm-hmm. when you're suffering, you know, obviously you had quite a, a nasty cut in that one. They've then got, you know, let's say Brandon Moreno, he was cut last time against Kaikara France. Let's say that cut opens back up. Can he go back to the corner, have the cut man, you know, shoving God knows what in, in, in the cut and then trying to listen to a new voice and try and catch his breath and try and, you know, keep the crowd out. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how Brandon Moreno handles the whole situation, especially, you know, with a new coach, I think if he wins this one, I think it probably goes down as the biggest win of his career, purely because of all the outside factors. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no doubt. Melissa, what do you what do you think? What do you what are your thoughts? No, I do agree. Um, I feel that obviously, if he overcomes the external factors of the situation, it also depends if he sees of what we've just discussed as an external factor or <laughs> external factors. Like maybe he's just completely coachable to any scenario to any person and he's that guy you know he can just listen to instruction um fighting is individual 
everyone is different. Uh, many factors prior to him stepping in that cage could affect him alone as a person that even his average Joe Cornerman might not be able to change how he's feeling, you know? So oh, I, I could say all these things and I am saying all these things, but it will literally just depend on that day. And as soon as he steps onto that sort of bus coach car and he's switching on, preparing to fight, what is going through his mind, what he's experienced and how he's going to deal with all of those factors. Maybe he's had the fucking best time of his life and <laughs> he's going in there with every meaning of being that he's trained for in the last, like, three weeks. Yeah, that's a really yeah. interesting point. I never thought that, you know, we're, we're saying, oh, the outside factor, the new coach, the, the, the fact that he's going into enemy territory, the fact that he had this cut in his last fight... He might just see that as, yeah, I've got a new coach. I'm, 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 I'm you know, I'm dealing. Me and Safe Side have got a really good relationship. You know, I should have come to Fortis MMA years ago. I love stepping into enemy territory. I'm from Mexico. He's from Brazil. It's a, it's a nation versus nation thing. And, and yeah, I, I never quite thought of if he doesn't see it as, a, as an, you know, we're building it up to be some massive, oh my god, like uh, big issue. And he's probably just like, yeah, I'm not really asked. I'm going to go there. I'm going to fuck him up and I'm going to leave the champion. Happy days. Like, it's, it's interesting. It's inter- an interesting point. Well, we just got a few minutes left, so let's rapid fire the rest of the card here. We'll get one word answers from each of you. Giblert Burns versus Neil Magny. Melissa, what do you think? Burns. All right. Burns. Fraser? Burns. Burns, yeah. No offense Burns to Magny, but he got subbed by Arbor Shavkat, so I think he maybe even gets subbed by Burns. Yeah, it's a Gilbert Burns win. Lauren Murphy versus Jessica Andrade. Melissa, what do you think? <laughs> Ooh, Jessica Andrade. I don't like Murphy. I agree. I think if you're getting fucked up by Valentina Shevchenko in your, in your last, was it the last fight or the last but one fight, I think Jessica Andrade also that. probably fighting at home again in Brazil probably knocks her out. Yeah. And the light heavyweight showdown, big Paul Craig from Scotland versus Brazil's home, Johnny Walker. Melissa, what do you make of it? I like Paul Craig. I like him as a fighter. I like him as a person. Sorry, that wasn't one word. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. That's that's perfect. Fraser, what do you think? Uh, Drew all day. I think you know he had a rough performance <laughs> last time out against um, Balkan Ozdemir when he tried to constantly pull guard. It wasn't quite going his way. But Johnny Walker for me is is too erratic. He he, he throws too many crazy shots for Walker not to uh, for 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 Paul Craig not to just run the pipe get him down. And as Paul Craig always says, is tap, snap, or nap. I think he subs him. Yeah, yeah, I got to agree with you on that one. Last one we'll cover off. Shogun versus literally some guy they found. <laughs> Melissa, does Shogun get a retirement, get a win in his retirement fight? <laughs> no. No? Oh, my heart. Fraser, what do you think? I'm, I'm putting all, crossing all my fingers to the MMA gods, but I'm just looking down the guy's record. He's got a hell of a lot of finishes. But then you look at the guys that he's finishing, he. You know he's he's eighteen and three, but three or four fights ago he was fighting a guy with no professional fights. He was fighting a guy who had no no wins and three losses. And as soon as he stepped into the the UFC, standing TKO, I'm hoping Shogun rolls back the clock. And you know we'll re-release your article up on our socials this week, Tim, the way you spoke to all and sundry about Shogun. And you know, let's hope that he can just turn back the clock and, and, and fuck a guy up, but it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's I would like to see him win in his last fight, but he was struggling years ago with Gian Vallant and Tyson Pedro. Like, he wasn't like he wasn't in shape four or five years ago. Like, I, I don't know. It's <laughs> going to be really tough with multiple knee surgeries. I They they couldn't have found, like, an easier kind of opponent to send him away with. We all know what this is, but even then, I'm going to think he's going to struggle. Anyway, Tim Wheaton, Fraser Crone, MMA Sucker. All the links will be down below for what's going on. Melissa, last word goes to you. Talk us on out of here. Tell the folks where they can find more of you. What do you have upcoming? All that good, good stuff. Okay, so my name is Melissa Dixon. Uh, I'm a bantamweight fighter for Ares uh, Fighting Promotion. Uh, I own two dogs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am married to James Dixon, who is a very great and underrated fighter. Um, you may find me on Instagram at no mess Mullins. That is my um, sort of hashtag. Um, I'll link it down below. Thank you. And yeah, thank you for um, 
enlightening me that I need to do more MMA research before coming on the podcast. <laughs> um, no, I joke, I joke. I, I'm very open about not talking and not being able to talk quite frankly about sort of MMA as a whole. Um, I'm more sort of, I do MMA, I'm focused on MMA um, and I can talk to you around sport and psychology and science, um, but that's just me, that's my thing, you know. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I had fun. I actually enjoyed it, so it's actually made sort of goaded me to go and do a bit more research regarding fighters and maybe watch a bit more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Thank you.